episode is brought to you ad-free thanks to all of our wonderful patrons. You can get tons of exclusive content and help us keep the show going by joining at patreon.com slash shonenflop. And welcome to this episode of Shonen Flop, where we talk about manga and Shonen Jump that didn't make it big. I'm David. I'm Jordan. Next week, we'll be covering Tokyo Demon Bride Story, which was written in all caps in my notes for some reason. If you'd like to read along with us, be sure to join the discussion in our Discord and submit your six-word summary. You can find a link to the Discord in our episode description and on our website, shonenflop.com. But this week, we are talking about Demon's Plan, and we are joined by our guest, the wonderful Snake. Hello. Hey. I'm the Snakerer. Oh my god, it's the Snakerer. Snake, so excited. I also want to give a big shout out to Dude Rocks who suggested that we reach out to you for being a guest on the show. So Dude Rocks, thank you very much for doing that. Shonen Flop is about to hit boiling point. That's a reference. I missed my own reference. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) How did I do that? (laughs) Sometimes we have guests on that Jordan is just so excited to have on. He was like, dude, did you really get Snake on as a guest? I was like, yeah. He's like, oh my fucking God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very flattering. Thank you very much. Oh, no problem. I, uh... And then, Snake, do you mind telling the listeners who may not be familiar with you who you are and what, you're, what you do? Hello. Well, I do very, very long game videos. I tend to focus on, on Jank and Yakuza and kind of lesser known games and give them a, a very thorough run through. I try and make it comedic and feel like a journey, something that's nice to sit down and watch and you get a bit of trivia and you get some weird character speculation and thematic breakdown, kind of what I'm into. And I, yeah, I try and make that fun and breezy. That's awesome. I really loved your video on Neuro. Neuro was great. The exact kind of thing I'm after of here is this little known game, completely forgotten, lost in time and doing all this weird stuff with a very earnest story that you're never quite sure like what wavelength it's operating on. It's the kind of game that like would get very low review scores, but still has a lot to it that makes it like worth like playing or at least like consuming in some way. It's basically I grew up just playing a lot of weird games kind of by accident. I would walk into game stores and my I would always be drawn to stuff that was ambitious or just sounding like I was always drawn as a kid to you get a big open world and you can drive around and do all these insane objectives and carve your own path. And that was in an era before stuff like Minecraft and the big Battle Royale mm-hmm. games and you mm-hmm. know Fallout RPGs. So it was a lot of mainly Eastern European devs, Ukrainian devs. Uh, Eurojank, right? Eurojank, yeah. Doing all this stuff, which the foundation for making it work without glitches wasn't there yet. Mm-hmm. And then you get stuff like Gangland and um, hooligans and stuff that doesn't really happen anymore outside of the indie scene. And then I kind of grew up and I spent a lot of my teen years playing AAA games and then got bored of them again and kind of went back to the source and was reappreciating all the weird games I played as a kid. And that's left me with a very strange sense of taste for what I'm into <laughs> in terms of games. <laughs> What's your favorite game you've like discovered or rediscovered lately? Right now, it's the one I'm writing about, which is Spark. The Spark series are all hmm. Sonic-like platformers. The first game is 2D, the latter two are 3D. Spark 3 is, um, this is going to sound like extreme hyperbole, and to most people it will be, but I think genuinely the best Sonic game ever made that doesn't have Sonic's name on it. <laughs> Whoa, oh man. It takes all of these glitchy ideas that 3D Sonic could never quite get to work and re-examines them and makes them sing, essentially. It's a game that left me wanting more, even though it's like a solid five-hour 3D speed-based platformer. Oh my god. That's awesome. Definitely gonna watch that video. I might even play Spark 3. Mm. I would thoroughly recommend it. Hell yeah. I've been writing that video since January, trying to get it right. Oh, jeez. Hell yeah. That is awesome. And then you know what else is awesome? Not Demon's Plan. Yeah, but we still have to talk about it. So why don't we dive into the manga details? 
Yeah. Take it away, Jordan. All right, so Demon's Plan was written by Okamoto Yoshimichi, who did the story and art, and they had some interesting assistants, including Kei Kamiki, who did David, a little-known manga called Magachan, God of Destruction. You ever hear that? I have. Uh, Snake, have you ever heard of that series? I have not, I'm afraid. Magachan is actually a series we're doing a long-form review on because it's like 80 chapters. And so we actually just released our latest episode where essentially it's about a bunch of elder gods who lose their powers and essentially become the pets of a bunch of like 14-year-old girls. And their Cthulhu parallel is this pink octopus named Magu who essentially acts like a cat. Hmm. It's actually pretty good. Yeah. Our most recent guest, Red, from Overly Sarcastic Production, said it's probably the best slice of life manga she's ever read. Or was the rare slice of life manga that she did not hate reading. I was going to say, it's uh, one of the best she's ever read because she hates the genre. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So it was very high praise from her. It broke through that barrier. Ironically, it was something she could comprehend. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. (laughs) The next one was Mitsuki Yoda, who did... David, he did Neolation. (laughs) That's a series all about Hacker Man. (laughs) It's essentially imagine if Mr. Robot was, an, was a manga, but was also really bad. Yeah. And then Marriage Toxin, which I've never heard of. I think that name has come up before. It might be something that people have asked us to cover. Maybe we also might have mentioned it on the episode when we covered Neolation. That's a good point. But I don't remember that name at all. But yeah, the author's other works are nothing. They just did nothing. They did three one shots, one which was entered but did not win the Golden Future Cup in uh, 2014. So I guess they did. They do not have a Golden Future. (laughs) This manga ran between November 21st, 2016 to February 20th, 2017. And oh, my God, the series that it replaced was Love Rush. In the series that replaced it, Jordan. Was Hungry Marie! Snake, those are both series we've covered on the show. Oh, wow. So not a very successful time period for the magazine. This one just sits awkwardly in between. Yeah. If you couldn't tell, I greatly prefer Hungry Marie to Love Rush. Yeah. And the series that was in it, the same serialization round was Ole Galazzo by Takematsu Moe, who did Akane Banashi. Just one thing to note, they were the artist, but not the writer for Akane Banashi. Oh, so the good part of Akane Banashi. Wait, no, I was getting confused with Akaboshi. Yeah, Akane Banashi is the one that's about, um, shit, what is it called? Um, the Japanese comedy that we actually really liked. And yeah, this ran for 12 chapters in two volumes. This is a, this is a short little one, David. Oh, God, this is one of the shortest things we've ever read. I genuinely was in a panic, like, oh god, is this all of it? Am I, I need to read all of this before the episodes. <laughs> Hunt it down. <laughs> Akane Banashi is about Rakugo. Thank you, T. Wolfhood, for reminding me. Ah. Oh, yes, yes. I was trying to remember as the same one who wrote the one about the depressed teacher uh, from the same person. I could have it mixed up. Hmm. The depressed teacher, but yeah. Sayonara Setsubo Setsubo Sensei? I remember that. That takes me back. That was, like, from, like, 15 years ago. And he did another comedy about Rakugo, which is genuinely impossible to read if you're not Japanese, I imagine, just for the amount of cultural jabs. I'm actually quite surprised that Kani Banashi is actually very approachable, and I actually went to see a Rakugo show after reading it. It's translated by Stephen Paul, who has actually been a guest on the show. Oh. That's right, Stephen Paul. You're a really good translator. Maybe you should come back on the show if you want more praise. <laughs> just saying. Maybe, maybe mention us a little bit, you know? <laughs> anyway, hey, why don't we get into the what about the plan of this demon's plan, the plot? Yes, so let's do it. 
Boro and Carlos are just bros trying to get enough money to make a wish using a mystical item called the Demon's Plan. They know it works because they once saw a dude regain the ability to walk using it. However, costs one million dollars. One million dollars <laughs> to use it. And after just working really hard and saving it up, god damn it, Carlos is arrested by a dirty cop. While in prison, the guy who owns the Demon's Plan just, he, he kind of happens to show up he's just there and he reveals to him that it's fake for some reason and yeah the guy who regained his ability to walk they just got like a able-bodied dude to sit in a wheelchair and then stand up this drives carlos nuts and when boro finds him the police station is destroyed and only carlos is alive next to a creepy dude called the patron patreon.com slash shonen flop <laughs> who used the actual demon's plan to give carlos superpowers boro tries to bring him back and reveals that he has his own demon's plan power red armor which makes his blood armor boro punches carlos really hard with it so the patron takes him and escapes three days later the patron appears to boro and says that he is now a demon called the protectionist who will never age and is locked in battle with 107 other demons they must kill each other and the last one standing will get a wish because there can be only one here we are born to be kings we're the princes of the universe it's highlander that's the joke so boro <laughs> gets on a ship and goes to the city where he finds a sexy information broker named salvia she doesn't want to help him because she runs a damn business not a charity and actually you know what she fucking hates guys like boro they make her want to puke but then david why can't she stop thinking about him i don't know it's not like she cares or anything baka oh no baka meanwhile she keeps watching him getting mugged what are these feelings she's feeling david popcorn david <laughs> This is a side of Jordan I've never seen before, Snake. I think he's really going all out today. He's going ham on this. Oh, yeah. The Sundere is fucking shining brighter than the sun. This may be the longest plot summary Jordan's ever written for 12 fucking chapters. <laughs> a lot and a little happened. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Boro scares the muggers away with his powers, and they're all immediately murdered by a guy named Veronica, who satisfies this manga's queer panic quota. Yep. Veronica is the collectionist demon and stores a bunch of weapons in his body. Salvia threatens him with a gun, and he absorbs it, so Boro fights him. He shoots a bunch of guns and missiles at Boro, which also made me think, what fucking time period is the set in? Right? But Boro's blood turns into his armor, so it doesn't work. I would like to say his blood turns into his arm armor. Yes. You know, he's getting shot all over the fucking place but like the armor only appears around his arms so it's like it's oh. center of gravity jordan it's pretty obvious yeah that's the center of gravity blood pools in the arms that's where it oh. is 80 percent of your blood is actually in your arms oh that makes a lot of sense actually i'm sorry never mind this manga is uh logical why everyone's so scared of paper cuts it's <laughs> <laughs> actually the eighth most common cause of death in the united states that makes sense Boro wins, of course, and they leave Veronica alive, but the patron shows up to shoot him because this manga is really edgy. Yes. Also, I love how they're like, since he keeps seeing his ass beat, he's bleeding, but his blood turns into armor, so he gets stronger. And it reminds me of how Denji in Chainsaw Man is like fighting a demon and keeps drinking his own blood, which powers him up. I never quite fully got a grasp because it feels like he's always just got blood ready before the fight begins. And you see him yeah. you see him once kind of just cut his arm up a bit and it's like, there should be an interesting adjustment. I'm, I'm jumping ahead. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. It's a great observation. The battles annoy me more than anything else in this. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder why. 
Oh, we're going to definitely have a lot of fun talking about this series, but let's get through the plot and characters real quick. Veronica was a piece of shit. Like, it turns out that one time he wanted to marry a girl who died, so I bet you feel like a jerk for hating him now, don't you? Right. Also, Salvia's brother is missing, and he's probably involved with the demon's plan. She couldn't have just randomly assumed that he was part of the demon's plan when she heard that it existed. Like, she had to have some kind of pre-knowledge. No, she didn't know what the demon's plan was. She just knew her brother was missing and maybe involved in a dangerous thing. So then she hears about a random dangerous thing and is like, my brother must be involved. (laughs) That has to be it. She's actually been through every other dangerous thing and has just checked them off, like gambling ring, underground fighting pit. Oh, demon's plan. Yeah, okay. That's the most likely. (laughs) Yeah, I've tried everything else. (laughs) Anyway, though, he dies. And when Boro and Salvia go back to her room, they're confronted by a guy named Eustace, who is the justest demon. The power is, uh, I don't know, tornadoes. I thought Jordan wrote tomatoes at first. He's actually a good guy and tells them his tragic backstory for some reason. His sister was going to get married to the village chief's son, but then when he found out her friend was going to be given to a bad guy named Robleon to be a sex slave, Eustace rescues her. The manga just straight up has them go. It is awful. It's like one of the worst lines I've ever read in a manga. That panel I already had in my notes. I knew we would discuss it. Uh, Where they're like, the village chief is just like, well, I mean, she's just going to be raped. It's not like she's going to get killed. That was one of my six word summaries until I was just like, I'm not going to put that there. I was shocked when I got to that line. I had to put it down for a second. (laughs) Some people are equipped to write moral quandaries. The best this guy's equipped for is moral quagmires. That's all he's got. Ooh, yeah. This is actually the second manga in like a month where there's just like a very explicit rape reference that just came out of nowhere. Yeah, it is the lowest edgy pull. When you just know, oh, this writer is really just reaching for anything to give this grit. Yeah, we are reading a series called like, um, fuck, what? I want to call it Ghost Detective, but that's not what it was no, called. No, it was, was like, Kako the False Detective. And like this girl and her backstory is like getting like beat up in mug, and then they start pulling her pants down. Oh, lovely. It's awful. It is awful. Where the fuck did this come from? Anyway, that's that's enough for that talk. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, Robleon finds out and kills everyone in the village except for him and his sister. And now Eustace wants revenge. Salvia and Boro go with Eustace to the village and his sister is hiding to discover that it's been 56 years since she went into hiding. And she's now an old lady with a granddaughter. By the way, a lot of the immortals have teamed up into factions under leaders called the Dogma. One of the Dogma is named Velvet. And it seriously doesn't matter aside from the fact that Velvet hurt Robleon and he wants revenge. So he's sending a group of bandits to sack the village where Eustace's sister lives to get supplies. I think it's yeah. Also, his sister is blind. Yeah, because she's an old lady. Yeah, that, by the way, a lot of immortals have teamed up is genuinely how it feels, because occasionally patron will just turn up and go, oh, by the way, um, here's a bit of a plot dump because I'm trolling you, Borrow. <laughs> oh, ho, ho. This series has so much complicated, like political machinations and none of them matter, like even remotely. And also, like, again, I reread this. I was like, why the hell did Robleon try and sack the village? And I don't know. He's just a bad dude. I really don't know. He's just a bad dude. He's just a bad guy. And they do bad things. That's literally it. <laughs> He's just a demon and demons are drawn by desires. Anyway. Yeah, that's oh, true. Oh, yeah. But anyway, popcorn snake. 
The two demon boys fend off the bandits until Boro tells Eustace to go find Robleon while he fights everyone alone. Oh, yeah, he's just, they have a fight in a generic canyon and he just, they drop an ambush and it's so hilarious, like, ah, oh, crap, he's not here. It's like a joke. And it's like, I guess I'll just <sighs> fight everyone. You go on ahead. Yeah. <laughs> it was interesting to me how even though Eustace has been tailing this guy for like over 50 years, he knows absolutely nothing about him. It's genuinely like a Tails gets trolled kind of bit is like, <laughs> oh God, we're going to drop these rocks on everyone. Then we'll hopefully have him. And then they just go down. It's like, oh no, there's just like a hundred lads here who want to beat us up. Okay, well, cool. On with it. Time to be guts. Use finds Robleon, Robleon, Robleon. I had a lot of trouble with this. Who immediately grows yeah. two more arms like <laughs> Goro from Mortal Kombat and they fight. However, Robleon has the power of super regeneration, so he just immediately recovers from everything. Thankfully, Boro appears, having defeated all of the bandits, to join the fight. This causes Robleon to get serious and grow four more arms. Whoa. But Boro also gets serious and his armor grows to cover his entire body. They basically get thrown up into the air and he's like, Eustace, can you volleyball spike me into the ground really hard while I'm yeah. almost dead? <laughs> Just throw me at him. Which wasn't the stupidest idea. It worked, more or less. It's also the one time the powers are in any way interesting. He's like, I don't want to kill this guy. I'm just going to cover him in my armor and like lock him up. And it's like, oh, there's actually a lot more imagination you could be using here with your powers that you're just not like blood walls and traps. But how did he know he could do that? Also, he can use his blood to give other people armor, and he hasn't been doing that? That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think about that. The character, he does no experimentation with his powers. Yeah. yeah. Which is one of the more interesting things about when a character gets their powers for the first time. Yeah. There's just very little imagination, as we'll go into. Yeah. We'll get into it more, yeah. To stop the regeneration, they realize they have to take Robleon out in one hit, so Eustace uses his tornado powers to fire Borrow right at Robleon's head, knocking him unconscious. He doesn't want to kill him, so Borrow traps him in his blood armor, seemingly trapping him in that spot forever, which is way more humane. Oh, yeah. Shrug. The patron then shows up to talk about politics mm -hmm. and reveals that Carlos has defeated the Angerist demon and taken <laughs> one of the seats of the dogma. Why'd I put the dogma? God, it's such a stupid organization. Yeah. You might be right. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm right. I think it is just dogma, but there's a grammatical gap in my brain here. There was some grammar and spelling issues in this translation too. Yeah, as well as Salvia's brother is the Revengeous Demon, and is involved in this too, just like she thought. Oh my god, she guessed correctly, whoa! She's getting one point on the chibi scoring episode, Jordan. I always thought my brother was a demon. He always nicked my toys when I was a kid, so I knew he was going down a dark path. Damn. <laughs> He then says that he's also a member of Dogma, called the Informationist Demon, and that a tournament arc is about to start. Thankfully though, the manga ends before that happens. <laughs> Bit of editorialising at the end of that plot synopsis, but I completely bloody agree. Thank yeah. you, thank you. Oh god, could you imagine? Oh, I hate every fight in this, and it's basically the fret of a tournament arc. Eventually this is going to be nothing but fighting. Great. <laughs> There's two really notable ways to know a manga has gone to shit is usually a torment arc or a uh, exam arc. Exam arc, yeah. Which is basically just a tournament arc, but there's more than just fighting. Yeah. But let's get in the characters. 
I'll kick things off with Boro. So he is a pervert. He is a dumb shonen protagonist. He has no family, blood demon powers, and he's stronger against Samori Bleeds. He's like a really shitty Denji. Now that I think now that I put all his pieces together. Well, David, he's a pervert in the first chapter, and then that's never relevant again. I feel it's more accurate to call him a hedonist in the first chapter where he has any character. The translator literally has him say Tiggle Biddies. Oh yeah, fair point. I think Boro is boorish. He's yeah. <laughs> extremely on the nose about it. Oh, he's just like one of those good boy shonen protagonists, and it's like he's the protectionist he won't kill demon. Anyone. He, he won't kill anyone. He won't do it. He just won't, even though that's the entire thrust of the manga that like these immortals are fighting and they have to kill each other. He's just like, no, no, I refuse. I have to protect what's important to me, which includes this cute girl I just met like earlier today, who's been nothing but mean to me. And she literally kicked him out. Yeah. <gasps> oh, my God. Just to show how good he is, people wrong him. But then he goes, I won't wrong you. I don't want to lose anything more. Lawful good characters are so fun all the time. You love him. Oh, always, you know? Well, how, well, you gotta, you gotta relate. You gotta have one moral character because the bad guys are just completely irredeemable and one-dimensional. <laughs> yeah, the bad guys are so bad. Which maybe, Snake, would you like to talk about Carlos? Sure, Carlos Diaz, a second name that only comes up in a newspaper heading which is filled with the funniest names if you just read them. It's just a snapshot of the terrible naming conventions in this manga, which is to say, no convention, just very annoying words. <laughs> the names in this series are pretty crazy. Rovleon's name is Rovleon Billy. I laughed when I saw Rovleon Billy. <laughs> really I was good. expecting a farmer with a shotgun to turn up. <laughs> That is pretty great. What is it, Velvet Glorioso or something? Salvia. Salvia! I think she existed for two chapters before I realized her name wasn't Sylvia. <laughs> or Saliva. Your Saliva. God, it was so hard not to say Saliva. Oh, God. Maybe I was on Salvia reading this. But yeah, so Carlos. Carlos the Arrows, he's not a pervert, he's smart, kind of a psycho, has demon powers or something. Yeah, they get, the manga never really gets around to what his deal quite is. He has blood wing sword things. Blood wing sword things. I mean, he only appears for like one chapter, even though he's supposed to be very important to the plot. I guess he's just not. <laughs> With every character, I feel like there's two versions of the main characters, which is the ones that are in chapter one, which trying to affect depth, and then every other chapter where they are about as stock as it comes. They are so stock you could make a bloody soup with them. Yeah. And that's kind of which what is pretty common. Is. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, they have him and Borrow, they have this sort of bond where both of them give each other kind of reason to go on. Carlos is like, oh, I don't actually have any self-worth, but if I'm protecting this guy, then I can have the comp confidence to get out there and face the world. Meanwhile, Carlos is like, I'll give my life to save this guy who saved my life, and uh, I actually have to go kill all the rich people, bye. Yeah, as we'll no doubt talk about in what it did well, the first chapter is at least trying. Yeah, it's trying so much. It is. Maybe too much, but at least, yeah. but I, it feels like the author just burned out all of his effort in that chapter. That's true, but that first chapter wasn't really that impressive anyway. No, it's just in comparison to everything else. <laughs> That's fair. I'm going to be honest, I feel a fool because I agree with you, but when I first read it, I was I I felt it had promise, which goes to show my um my rookie nature here. <laughs> it's like maybe there's something. Oh no, I did too. 
That just means you see the world in a better light than we do. You're not jaded. Maybe. I'm not so jaded yet. I don't entirely remember what I said on our Chibi, our preview episodes where we read like the first chapter. I'm pretty sure I was like, yeah, I'll read more of this. Yeah, no, because there was promise in the first chapter. Jordan, though, would you read another 10 chapters of this? You know what? I would. And then Jordan, do you mind telling us about patrons? The informationist demon, he's kind of just like an asshole, kind of the closest thing to a long-term antagonist in the series. Uh, he's just really fucking edgy, really. He looks like a stand or a persona when he first appears. He reminds me a lot of the guy from Balan Wonderworld oh, for yes. some reason. <laughs> there was like a time where there was a bunch of Willy Wonka style characters in anime in like the early 2000s or 2010s. I remember there's one in Blue Exorcist and C. So there was just, for some reason, that was like the cultural zeitgeist. Hmm. I wonder when the Tim Burton movie came out. That's probably around that time. No, that was like 10 years before that. Series of weird, untrustworthy wishmasters just coming and going. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, you said early 2010s. Okay. I gotcha. I thought you said early 2000s. That's it. If you told me what year did this series come out, I would have guessed like 2005. Yeah. You're totally right. This feels so much older. I don't think there's much more to say about him. He just exists as kind of a plot character. The next character is Salvia, who is kind of the legally required female main character that every manga has to have. Yeah, just to like, I don't know, pretend they care about women or something. Does she actually contribute anything to this series? No. (laughs) She just complains a lot. She pulls Boro out of the way once. That's it. In the final battle, they're like, oh, Salvia is just protecting the grandma and her granddaughter as if she can do anything she doesn't have powers what is she gonna do what is she gonna do (laughs) it's funny as well because they have a scene where they're gonna sit down and you think okay this is going to establish salvia's whole deal but then another character walks in and immediately steals the spotlight from her the entire manga just becomes about the next character Yep, Eustace, who just, this conversation just becomes about Eustace. So Snake, do you have any thoughts about Eustace? He is a fucking slice of bread dipped in water as far as a character goes. It's basically the same deal. It's like, okay, so Justice Demon, defeat Rob Leon Billy. I am feeling memories of him leaking out of my ears. I'm saying this. Snake, (laughs) Snake, real quick. I would like you to clarify how Justice is spelled. J-U-S-T-I-S-T. Justist. Yes, it is just-ist. It is not justice. It is just-ist. More than justice. Yeah, it's super important. Like, you shouldn't have got a British person on to say a word with a lot of T's in it. It's okay. <laughs> I just want to clarify. Bottle of water. Justice demon. I'm not going to lie. When you, were, when you were talking about Spark, there was a second where I was like, they made a game about Spock? <laughs> yeah, and he runs really fast. Yeah, that'd be great, actually. <laughs> but yeah, his whole deal is, I've got to save my sister and defeat Rob Leon Billy. And he just, he's been in the demon plan, spoilers, for decades. Why did I say spoilers? Yeah, <laughs> just did it. He's been in it for decades. And he's like, well, in all my years, you're the first person I've seen who's a demon who has a heart. So um, I'm tagging along with you, buddy. I'm your new Carlos. You can just call me that if you want. Eustace sees Boro decide not to kill that Veronica dude. So he's just like, you know what, man? I really need someone who won't kill people in on my revenge plot. Yeah, dude, I've been looking all over the place for a demon who's just not a complete psycho. And you seem like the least psychotic one so far. So let's hang out. He passes the vibe check. (laughs) Yes, literally. And then no joke, the whole manga becomes about him. 
Yeah, I was like, why are we giving a flashback about a character that you haven't established we actually as a reader care about yet? It's funny, this manga just kind of does post hoc, actually this is sad, actually they had depth when it no longer matters. Yeah, it's actually Demon Slayer had that same issue where they're like, oh, this guy was really evil, but here's this kind of sad backstory so you feel bad. Oh, it happens so much. But I will say, like, another thing about Eustace is I don't know what his fucking power is. (laughs) He controls fate. It has nothing to do with his desire either, which is such a strange conceit that it does it for two characters and then it's just, actually, I can't think of a relatable power, so it's just wind. He's just hot air, that's it. Yeah, pretty much. He's just full of hot air. (laughs) Pretty much all he's got going. And you know what doesn't have a lot going? This manga? Yeah. Why don't we dive into why it failed? So Snake, do you mind taking us away? What were some issues you had with the series? I hated immediately that, oh, on the far off distance, you're going to fight 108 demons. There's a tournament arc on the distance. Meanwhile, every single battle is terribly generic, unreadable action with no inventive use of powers whatsoever. Yeah. I like Jojo quite a lot. I like um, Tails Gets Trolled and uh, Scoob and Shag and that. And Mm. those are very funny to read, very interesting. You watch it and you're like, oh, wow, they're going in really crazy directions with this, which this guy's just, his blood hardens. And on the surface, maybe you can do something with that and it's a nice shorthand for oh as the battle goes on he naturally gets tougher but it's you know that's very repetitive yeah. meanwhile i think the one big battle well there's two against robleon but that barely is there is against the collectionist and i actually ran a tabletop campaign once so one the players could store items and bring them out and he put that to really clever use so what does the collectivist do the guy who can suck in any item and bring it out at will he just has a million guns there's no inventiveness he just keeps shooting and it can't and it's impossible to read how did he lose did he just get punched i think he just got tired just got bored he just used all his guns and then he collapsed (laughs) i was reading that chapter and i was like when he pulled out the missile i just went no no hang on stop 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 i don't care about this story i want to know when you broke into a military base i want (laughs) to read about that that's the story i want to know wait this setting has missiles what year is this he had a bomb and like gatling guns and just all kinds of armaments like fucking miniguns and shit. Like where, when are we? Where are we? What is this setting? It gets even funnier when you get to his wife at the end in the post hoc characterization scene and it's revealed in a line that, oh, the reason he got this power was I wanted to show my wife everything in the world. And was your wife a gun nut? Because that's all you've expressed any interest <laughs> yes. in. God. His wife was Lauren Boebert. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, pretty much. When my wife, the president of the National Rifle Association, died. (laughs) It's important to point out, because we haven't mentioned it yet, in his ear, he has like a spot for an ear gauge, but instead of a gauge, it's literally his wife's finger. Yeah. With the fucking ring on it. That is the shot chaser of, feel sad for this guy. Also, he had his wife's finger cut off and put in his ear. Like, what the fuck, man? (laughs) It was really weird. Also, why it failed. Plot that speeds through an incredible amount of nothing happening. God. I think part of that is also the paneling. This is some of the worst paneling I've ever seen, where why is he cramming so many things in every single page? 
the thing is, like, this guy, I feel, was really worried about getting accused of having, like, no background. So he just made the backgrounds completely cluttered and, like, really difficult to parse. Well, speaking of the art, the art of the first chapter was honestly kind of solid. Like, I thought the art was pretty fucking good in the chibi. And then every chapter after that just completely falls apart. Proportions are trash. Composition is trash. Just, like everything just gets so much worse there's a moment where salvia is just sitting there and then her leg is extended and she's it's like she it's like she's hitchhiking in like an old bugs bunny cartoon with like her leg out and it looks awful like the leg looks terrible every time this guy tries to do an interesting angle he can't do it it's like the dropping quality is like astounding and it wasn't even like that excellent to begin with it's wow it's very hard to make out like connecting scenes and time jumps it's just very poor in giving a sense of chronology and time and like location swapping so here's one thing is that i think overall my ideas this series is inspired by late one piece in its writing style so a lot of things that oda has been doing is he's very vague he has a lot of things going on but here's the thing this is 700 chapters into a series you can seed things you can talk about things vaguely this manga is trying to do that day one so we don't know what the fuck is going on because everything yeah. is so vague because the author probably doesn't even know but here's the thing oda was very explicit from the start about a lot of things it would be like chapter one being like oh luffy has some mysterious stretch power what could it be and not saying what double fruits are for 100 chapters would have been a terrible idea david i agree i think that oda is a slightly better mangaka than this guy fuck off (laughs) you know he's clearing the gap he's doing it yeah he's doing it it really just feels like nothing happens in this manga it goes with what you said earlier as just the anachronisms of the setting. There is no set time period. The state of the world is very vague, and especially because the first chapter seems to hinge so heavily on a certain theme, which then just falls into the backdrop. The world has no kind of vibe or energy that's in any way consistent, nothing to latch onto. The first chapter seems to be straight up about uh, class struggle. Yeah. It goes pretty heavily into like the rich are taking from the poor. Like, that's what Carlos's whole thing is about. He's like, I'm going to bring down the rich. I'm going to take them down. And then I'm going to kill all the rich people, basically. The 1%. The 1%. But, and then Boro is like, no, violence is bad. Don't do that. But then that's completely irrelevant to anything else that happens yeah. in the manga. It's like he had something of a setup, something of a theme, and then was just like, nah, it's too hard. I don't want to think about that. So then nothing else in the manga complements that nothing else in the manga continues that it's irrelevant why even have it doesn't do anything it just lands on the worst possible like oh no we're just gonna do generic battles that's it god also the bad guys have absolutely nothing to them there is nothing there they are so one-dimensional the point of them is to be the worst most evil bastards in the universe and they're like immortal too so the result is when boro doesn't kill them it's like honestly boro you should kind of just kill them like yeah they're gonna get out and they're just gonna kill more people because they're like evil and have no sense of sympathy like i get why you don't want to kill but like damn in this situation man i I don't know. The author constructed one of the few scenarios where actually killing the bad guys is the most moral thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
get Salvia to do it, because do you remember one of the rules that is put out? If a demon is killed by a non-demon, they're just condemned to a life without salvation. Yeah, what the fuck did that mean? I didn't fucking follow that until I was rereading it earlier today and I was like, that's a rule. May get, you know, brought back into play at some point, I guess. It's very vague in that. Like, does that mean they just, they go to hell? They turn into a zombie? They like, they don't die? Like, I don't know what that means. They just have a curse of bad luck for the rest of their life? Who fucking knows? This manga didn't. No. They don't receive the blessing of Jesus Christ? Like, I, I don't know. I just find it, the wording is like, if she kills him, condemned to a life without salvation, which if that isn't immediately getting sent to a bad afterlife, it's just they get up a few days later like, ah, shit, that didn't work. <laughs> yeah, this manga throws out a lot of complicated things and then does not explain them. That's what really fancy manga like One Piece do, because they're like, well, you'll find out in like 200 chapters. And we're like, yeah, okay, that's fair. Well, also because uh, you don't need to know what that information is in order to follow or care about the other things that happen in this manga. Also, One Piece will get there. Yeah. <laughs> you know? We waited 20 years <laughs> to find out how, why Garp is so badass. Oh, I still haven't because I'm behind, but yeah. Also, like, like we've mentioned the paneling and composition are terrible. I cannot stress enough how terrible it is. There's one panel where Boro is about to punch Eustace, and then the next panel, they're just kind of listening to him, and I was looking at it, and I was like, did he hit him? What happened? Why did they stop? It's trying to do the joke, but there is absolutely no conveyance of kind of <laughs> time and consequence to communicate. That's a good point. Yeah. By the way, the way to do that joke is just have one sound effect. Boing. Yep. Just have one sound effect conveying that the punch landed. You're done. You did it. And I'm kind of done talking about the negatives. So y'all feel good if we go into what it did well? Oh, quickest section. Yeah, let's go. So Snake, what would you say are some things you actually liked about this series? When I was picking these mangas, I was, you know, you're given, I'm given three options. I'm going to say the way I decided to do it was I'm going to read one chapter of each and gamble. And I'm going to say, should have picked Blaster Knuckle. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to a friend afterwards because I was really agonizing Blaster Knuckle or Demon's Plan because I was japed by Demon's Plan. And the friend said to me, and I agreed with them, I'm not blaming a friend because I'm the one who picked up that lead and ran with it. Yeah, Blaster Knuckle seems like it might get very one note. I read more Blaster Knuckle. It stays better for longer. Aw, <laughs> oh, man. Blaster Knuckle, have you played Ultra Kill? Are you familiar with Ultra Kill? I've played a bit, yes. There's a weapon in Ultra Kill that's directly inspired by the weapon in Blaster Knuckle. Nice. So that's how I know Blaster Knuckle. That's the only thing I know about Blaster Knuckle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll save that for whichever guest is lucky and smart enough to pick Blaster Knuckle. <laughs> So basically, chapter one, I feel this note, this is my like one of two notes for what it did well, and I disagree mm, with mm. it the more we talk about it. In the swirling mess of things that chapter one is attempting before settling on, and I'm quoting my note here directly, dot 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 something, it's themes of how rich abuse the poor intrigued me. How kind of rich and powerful kind of bait the poor, and you know, like the whole idea of temporarily embarrassed millionaires and bread and circuses, and you know, you- yeah. 
Yeah. You keep the poor distracted and struggling and you divert the blame away from crummy situations, you know, bad economic policy, whatever. Obviously, the, this manga was never going to be actually clever enough to tackle the nitty gritty, but you think, oh, it's skimming on the surface. And the first chapter I found, like, it has some interesting through lines of, you know, the economic situation. Maybe they'll delve into this. Maybe this will be, you know, kind of rich versus poor and there'll be an actual theme to it. And here's the especially funny thing about why I still picked this is I was on board for maybe the first 40 pages. I think it's a 50 pager to start with, right? Yeah. And then the moment patron turns up and it's like, oh, the demon's plan is actually real. I should have realized alarm bells should have been ringing for, ah, wait, everything is getting thrown out right here. This is not actually gonna happen. Yeah. Nah, it turns out we need a power system, Snake. Every time. Ironically, a power structure struggle was corrupted by a power system struggle. God damn, it's true. Yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> that was very clunkily delivered, but I'm not going to correct it. I was just struggling through words there. I mean, most of the, pretty much all the good things I have to say are about the first chapter. The first chapter does a lot of good work in making you think the series is not going to be really bad. Yeah. You think it's going to be, like, kind of worth reading, at least? I also, like, am kind of intrigued by Carlos and Boro's relationship. They seem yes. like they actually care about each other. There's a depth there, like, they have a history. Yeah, like, it's kind of complex. Ambiguously gay duo. They are completely codependent on each other for a sense of value and worth and place in the world. Yeah, and then Carlos disappears and so does everything about that relationship. Like, oh my god, there was like a semi-interesting dynamic and it just goes out the window after the first chapter and then there's no kind of remotely interesting relationship after that. Yeah, I, I also like the second chapter a little bit where it was just nice seeing people be nice. Oh yes, the boss and the whole thing about the money, that is the last vestige of this kind of theme of, you know, the lower classes are kind of united via this kind of solidarity and they're actually looking out for each other. And it is a nice turnaround because the boss is a hard ass in the first chapter and that, but you, that is probably the best, most subtle character writing is the way he cares about his employees through this kind of gruff, oh, I've got to be stern to keep them in line kind of deal. Yeah, I'm always a sucker for those hard asses with a heart of gold, you know? Yeah, I did like this one for Mag thing, which is a lot of the first chapter is they see the demon's plan and they spend years and years toiling away. By the way, in the worst use of my note taking ever, I tried to do the maths on what the currency, which is called Watts, translates to. I assume it's just like a yen. Yeah, but I, I did some very stupid maths that I <laughs> really boring. I tried to work out how much a million Watts is. <laughs> oh no, what did what'd you come to? Were you, did you come to any uh, conclusion? Do we want to save this conversation for the miscellaneous thoughts? Yeah, probably better for miscellaneous. So I think that was, like you said, the last bastion of quality. So I guess, shall we go into where it could have gone or we can say how we would have fixed this series? Oh boy. So Jordan, what do you think you would have done to have fixed it? I would have kept the uh, dynamic between Boro and Carlos going. Maybe Boro was chasing Carlos and you would have like little moments where like Carlos would show up because Carlos ceases being a presence in the manga after the first chapter. And I think that was a huge mistake. Carlos should have kept showing up. He should have kept having uh, dialogue and commenting on the things that Boro is doing. I would have cut everything having to do with Eustace. Eustace should not have been a character in this. Yeah. I don't know what the point of his character was. He's like a replacement, Carlos, with less flavor. It's so terrible. He's like a replacement Boro. Like, he becomes <laughs> the main character. Good point. 
Boros stops being the main character when Eustace shows up. I honestly, I might have cut all the characters after chapter one. <laughs> None of them do anything. Yeah, just restart the series from chapter one. Maybe chapter two. Your solution is make it a one shot. Yeah. This is not the first time we suggest that. Let me tell you about a series called Earthchild, which also oh, should yeah. have been a one shot. <laughs> I also think a really important thing is they show no real sense of him experimenting and progressing his powers. He just straight up like starts using advanced applications of his abilities before he has any sense of mastering the basics, which is even mentioned by the Willy Wonka guy. Yeah. That is actually like kind of interesting. Like there's a section like we mentioned where he puts armor on the bad guy to lock him in place. And it is like, wait a minute. You can do that. You could do that. What? (laughs) Yeah, you never showed that you could do that. Like there's so many applications of that. Like what if he uses blood to give other people armor to protect them? That would go with like his desire of uh, protectionism, I guess. Yeah. I also think the fact that he could like lock down this like regenerating immortal guy was actually cool because like it would have made it not feel so artificial if the reason Eustace was like, you seem like a solid guy, help me fight this guy. But rather Boros power was actually like a hard counter to this guy who it kind of is actually now that I think about, but I think the offer didn't even think about that, where if he can restrain someone who can't be stopped, that's your best bet of stopping a guy who has super regenerative abilities. I mean, David, it even has a built in logical stamina system because you're going to use your blood. Yeah. And it kind of goes along with what you're saying of when they introduce dogma, which just complicates the needless politics of this. There is a kind of through line. Oh, these are the 10 most powerful demons. So there are factions in everyone in the demons plan who are teaming up because it's an alliance of convenience because some people are more OP than others. So you've got the in there of, look, we're going to need to work together if you want to have any hope of doing this and down the line. Yeah, we're going to have to fight, but at least then you have a chance. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, Also, like the patron mentions that, um, oh, this this is Highlander. There can be only one. By the way, there's factions where everybody goes under like a demon leader and Boros like, wait, that doesn't make sense. Only one of them can do it. And they're basically like, shh, don't worry about it. I was so excited for that idea where he genuinely was like, you at some point will have to kill Carlos if you want out of this or kill yourself. And then the series just kind of completely buries what I think is a really interesting dilemma he will actually have to face yeah it's so much more interesting get rid of dogma or make it so they don't have to kill each other like you can't have like you can either have they're all individualists that must fight each other or they can team up you can't do both could be like you know you have to sacrifice your wish to someone else to kind of you know that's how you get out of the death game alive if you know you can't win on your own is yeah you give up what you're going to get yeah something that goes along with it you know like the two things contradict and so as a result they i mean there's already very little going into this manga so as a result a solid quarter of it is just explaining the complexities of a political system that just doesn't make any fucking sense and it's way too early for us to learn about this yeah i had it in my head the ending was just going to be that if borrow does have to kill carlos he's just going to immediately cash in his wish of like oh yeah i want him alive we're done yep i also think we're done (laughs) can i say also say i think we're done with this section so shall we go into miscellaneous thoughts Mm -hmm. okay First miscellaneous thoughts, yeah, this, I feel like this wanted to be Weird West and the author intended it to be and then he didn't put any effort into actually make it feel like a Weird West series 
I think that too. What Weird West would have done is establish some kind of setting, and and this manga basically has no established setting. It it changes constantly. Um, yeah, no consistency. Also, like, man, the translation was interesting. One character calls another character a noob at one point. Yes. Diggle biddies. Oh, yeah. Tiggle biddies. He also says, uh, I just want to get drunk and crunk. That was cool. God. The scariest part about this setting, gamers exist in it. Totally. <laughs> oh, God. No. God. No. <laughs> They're out there somewhere. There is the gamerist somewhere. Oh, no. <laughs> There's no escape. I also, the series made me think of Fullmetal Alchemist for some reason. I guess it was like two people in there. I got FMA vibes as well. Okay. With the armor stuff and yeah. notes of the setting. It was obviously a ripoff of a lot of things. And then, Snake, I feel like you had mentioned that you actually did some math about how much a watt converts to other currencies. I was going to say a watt to a dollar, but I realized you probably did it for pounds. I did it in pounds, and then I and then I did GBP <laughs> to USD to, to be inclusive of the American listeners. So I wrote it down, and I actually cut out my... No, actually, my notes do end with, this was a waste of time. <laughs> Nice. Oh, oh, to clarify to the listener, because I don't think we've said it yet. Watts are the units of currency in this manga. It's relevant for one chapter. It's relevant for two chapters, sir. There's an immediate escalation of, oh, if you want my information, that's like three million watts or something. It's higher than the demon's plan, if I'm remembering correctly. But how much is that? Yeah, what, what's your math? What's the conversion? Let's do this. Yeah, because my guess was it was like yen, but it sounds like you might have come to a different conclusion. I probably did. So 2,000 watts a day at the docks. And then I looked up the average salary of a Japanese dock worker. <laughs> and assuming parity for no reason, a Japanese dock worker, by the way, this is why it might be skewed to begin with, because I frankly don't believe this, but 8,960 yen a day, which is equivalent to 54 British pounds. By the way, is that in 2016 currency? It's not equivalent to whenever this takes place either. Okay. This is why this is all wrong. That's fair. Yeah, this is why we've got a bad start to begin with. So then Carlos at one point lists exactly how long they worked, which is nine years, 11 months, 23 days, which is 3,616 or oh, 616 is in there. Ooh. Demon's plan. In the Marvel Universe. So another reason this maths might be wrong is I have not accounted for if they worked every day or if there are weekends and expenditures, but 3,616 times 2,000 is 7,232,000. So assuming removing expenditures and, you know, days off, they should have been able to take the demon's plan seven times over. Wow. Okay. Yeah. This isn't actually a slight against the manga, by the way, but, you know. You know, we've had enough slights against this manga, I think. <laughs> Fair enough. If those, assuming those were all work days, 2,000 watts and it translates out to 56 pounds, that comes out to 188,176 pounds and 64p, or in US dollars, 233,996 and 67 cents. Whoa, that's a lot of light bulbs. To be fair, that makes more sense than a million dollars. It was definitely never a million US dollars. No, it was definitely never. <laughs> I divided it down to try and work out a rough, roughly a million watts in real currency, which is 26135 or $32,517. That seems reasonable. Yeah, okay, all right. This was a waste of time and my maths is bad. So my notes end. My system was I just dropped two zeros, so it would have been like $10,000. Despite how bad what I just said was, I think I've put more thought into this setting than the author ever did. We have definitely put more thought than this offer ever did. Unquestionably. This uh this is shocking. This is a mess. 
<laughs> yeah and uh snake i really appreciate you sitting down and doing the math that's awesome yeah thank you so much snake. i just got very distracted this is why videos take so long to come out <laughs> you gotta wait for quality stupid rabbit holes also speaking of british people that did research ooh, that was a good segue <laughs> our wonderful manga historian maxi b who is also british uh, has done some research as well so i just want to read off some of their notes so they said upon finishing this you may ask your question is that it is there some sort of epilogue no there's not this really was the ending of the series this series had a jump start run in the digital weekly shonen jump magazine viz media used to do prior to the current simulpub model giving us three day and date chapters with the official english names and the like like bolo for our main character or Carlos's Dear Rose spelled with a Z uh, as opposed to with an S in the fan translation. It also means it's possible to read a quarter of the series without pointless swearing added in. Imagine that. It would be worse. And uh, Viz translated the red armor as Crimson Bell, which what? sounds cool through it. Yeah. Crimson Bell. Though red armor is a more correct translation in that volume one is five chapters and a one shot. Volume two is six to 12 and another one shot and that there were extra pages and that most extra pages that were inserted into it are just a little extra panel. Not even like a joke, just a little extra drawing taking up a small fraction of the page. There's a one. One of his one shots is called Brain Breaker, which just sounds like someone who read this. Yeah. Hey, uh, I was going to say it sounds like an intense wrestling move. <laughs> oh, my God. But did y'all have any other miscellaneous thoughts or shall we go to final verdict? I do have a miscellaneous thought, which was... Oh, go for it. I've resisted the whole thing of pronouncing Eustace as Eustace, because that's how it's spelt. <laughs> yeah. His name used ass burger mod. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm going burger mode with my used ass. I'm going to break out a whopper on this guy on Rubbly on Billy. Rubbly on Billy. <laughs> <laughs> Tonight in the cage. <laughs> all right let's go to final verdict starting from our community we have our six word summaries where we have from tucker touching friendship story and then jack shit maxi b demons plan to get canceled immediately lord anubis tournament shonen except when it's not portal man wait dr faustus made a tournament from real shonen protagonist says just punch harder from squid co 42 artists couldn't say protagonist against cancel list <laughs> the cancel list <laughs> that's really good that's <laughs> From Portal Man, the demons win no matter what. The Duke of Dumbass, the most 14-year-old shit ever. Yep. Mm-hmm. From Cram, starts surprisingly gay, otherwise boringly generic. That, that's a good point. This manga definitely could have been gayer. That would have helped. Yeah. From Dude Rocks, so edgy yet so dull. Dakerson, didn't go according to demons. Kyaku. Kyaku means plan <laughs> in Japanese. Yeah. All according to cake. Nice. Oh, if only we had had, if only we had had um, Masako X, another British guest back on the show for that scene. Uh... God, why are British guests are just so great on the show? <laughs> it's because of the queen. <laughs> now that she's dead, the power has just kind of come to us. God, Irish Twitter was so great. Also half Irish. Got to throw in the correction <laughs> in case my dad listens. <laughs> From T. Wolfwood, I read this morning, already forgotten. From yep. Yeti, demonic dueling thing is drives droll drama. Oh, that's tongue twister. Like alliteration. From Blah Moo Moo, this manga needs a better plan. From 090Z, Demon's Plan was a little trolling. From Diego, Demon's Plan was flopping all along. And from Red Blade, hey, that's a good name for this series. Pretty good one shot. Wait, there's more? And then how about you, Snake? You wrote quite a few six third summaries. Do you have a particular favorite? Well, I'll just go with my top, my headliner. Jojo tackles the wealth gap. Not. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's going to be part 10. That's good. How about you, Jordan? There should be only one chapter. (laughs) (laughs) And mine was had no plan, demons or otherwise. Yeah, gone argue. And then finally, was this a flop or not? So Snake, we have three categories. We have flop, not a flop, or certified flop, where you would use the word awful to describe this series. 
I started off on just flop, but I think over the course of the discussion have just moved to certified, I'm confident to say. Yeah, the first two chapters are definitely, like, not that bad, and then it just really shit itself. This is certified flop. This was trash. Uh, Ah, yeah, this, uh, no, this is certified for me. And then Snake, uh, what would you recommend someone check out instead of reading this? It could be anything. It could be literally anything. It doesn't have to be manga. It could be anything. Not even read, just watch anything. Okay, well, I'll just recommend Scoop and Shag again, but also Spark, which we started off talking yeah, about. Yeah, play Spark. <laughs> it's extremely exciting. Meanwhile, Scoop and Shag, I think, if you're into the kind of battle, battle manga stuff, though, that's a webcomic, you know. If you're into weird powers being used in crazy ways, it's parodic, but genuinely quite hype when it wants to be. Nice. And then how about you, Jordan? This is, like, not related much at all to Demon's Plan, but I've been reading Megan Mog. Oh, God, you're so fucking obsessed with that series right now. I love that series. It's gross. It's a bu- I have a friend who's a massive fan of, of Meg Mog- Megan Mog. It's a series about a witch and her boyfriend who's a cat, and they're all scumbags and do a ton of drugs. It is not for children, not even remotely. There are some absurdly dark pulls in it. It is so dark. They are such scumbags, but it is great if you're a certain type of person like me. The common response to people reading it seems to be, God damn it, I hate that I relate to this and find it funny. By the way, that is that is Megan Mog with two G's because Megan Mog with one G is actually a Dutch children's cartoon. Yes. Traumatized many Dutch children. They're in the same cinematic universe, though. <laughs> when a Google search goes awry. And my recommendation is to watch The Jury. So this is like a weird semi-scripted prank show where one guy thinks he's on jury duty and everyone else is an actor. Oh. Got a lot of humor similar to like The Office where the people are just like really weird. Like one person is a transhuman and he keeps making like really shitty robot parts for himself, including he made himself chair pants, which have a chair built into the pants, but then he can't sit in a normal chair. That's really good. It's really so good. It's, it's, it's only like seven episodes, but it was a really fun show to watch. <laughs> It's a very good concept for a prank show. Yeah. <laughs> At the end, though, he's like, fuck, I actually could now have real jury duty after this. Oh, dear. Because <laughs> this was fake, because he had fake jury <laughs> And then, so Jordan, since we thought this was a certified flop, is this the worst series we have ever covered in this show? No, it's pretty bad. This is barely a certified flop, if I have to be honest, compared to some absolute dog shit we've covered. Yeah, you don't know, Snake. <laughs> the, the, the barrel goes further. I learned about the podcast because of the invitation. I did listen to a few episodes and quite liked it, but with... Oh, thank you. With the length of time you've gone on, I can't imagine. Oh, yeah. Uh... What has darkened your doors? We've read some of the worst things we've ever... Last year, I think we read maybe two series we actually liked. Yeah. Oh, dear. I think we didn't even say we legitimately enjoyed the series we said was our favorite series, which was actually Hungry Marie, which we talked about in this episode. Hmm. So the depths of absolute garbage we have read continues to surprise us. Yes, uh, this 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 uh, year has already been better because we've read like two manga that we kind of like. Well, tricks dedicated to witches I would have read recreationally. So essentially, that's a series about a magician who gets sent back in time and like has to like trick people into thinking he's a devil by doing magic tricks. And they like actually explain how the magic tricks work. So you might actually really like it if you like that, like really going into depth and like actually like doing the research and using like a weird power in creative ways. Yeah, that's what I'm into. That's what I kind of like to. Yeah, so I like uh, no joke. I think you legitimately, and that one ended because the offer ran out of ideas, which I'm sure is not a surprise given how hard a subject that is. Yeah, he just stopped. It wasn't even canceled. He was just like, "I got nothing." 
bye guys. And then he made another manga instead. <laughs> I don't know if that's more or less tragic. Well, we wouldn't have covered it if he had kept going. Yeah. It's respectable. It's like, all right, man, I respect that you didn't want to have your manga get worse. All right. Yeah. Mm. That one is also super pro LGBT actually as well. Yeah. <laughs> But I think it's enough about that. Let's get into the shout outs. Snake, thank you so much for being on the show. This was an absolute blast. Where can all of our wonderful listeners find all of the great things you do? Well, I am on YouTube at Tsnakera, T-H-S-N-A-K-E-R-E-R. I picked that name when I was 12 and I'm stuck with it now. I'm on Twitter as well under the same name. And I also host, like co-host the Bullet Time podcast with a mate of mine, James Hot Cider, which similarish concept to this manga, but about mid and forgotten FPSs of the last few generations. Oh, that's really cool. What's like a recent one that you covered? The most recent game we covered was Homefront the Revolution. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, that was to end off our free Radical uh, series. We are currently kind of recording for Red Faction and Jurassic Park Trespasser, which... Oh, Trespasser! I was going to say Trespasser seemed like exactly the kind of thing you would talk about. Yeah, oh. it required help from a, a friend of ours and to be a guest on the show and fellow video maker Chariot Rider to get that running on my PC. Have you um discussed how, what was it, Alien vs. Predator or something on like the PlayStation 1 was like the first game to have the modern FPS control system? I did not. We have a researcher and he's probably, he may have brought that up, but I think James and another co-host, Kevin, they are trying to put together like a series of Alien vs. Predator versus Alien vs. Predator. That's <laughs> a jumble. You know, where they kind of go through the AVP games through the generations. I, I believe it is actually Alien Resurrection. Oh yes, Jordan's right. I know this because Civi did a video about it, mm -hmm. and that's the only reason I know. <laughs> yeah, and like reviewers are like, what the fuck is this control system? But it literally has the same control system as Halo like three years before Halo came out. Yeah. That's part of the fun of the podcast. It's kind of charting these connections and, you know, what history cut gets set by what made something popular, not what actually invented it so often. Yeah. Like in like uh, in about like 10 years, every single game is going to reload like Cruelty Squad. Oh, boy. Jordan loves Cruelty Squad. It's a good game. Yeah. And then, Jordan, speaking of things that are great, though, I want to say thank you for making the opening ending theme and being a great co-host and helping with editing. Oh, thank you so much for the work that you do, David. I really appreciate it. Oh, no problem. Yeah. I also want to give props to Mer Lyle for the awesome cover art. Find her online at Lyle Mer and Nigel for being her generous art benefactor. Thank you, Dylan, for assistance for editing. Find his podcast, Anime Out of Context, at AnimeOutOfContext.com. Thanks to Tucker and Maxi B for assistance with pronunciation, translation, and other miscellaneous research. You can find us on Twitter at Shonen Flopcast and our website, ShonenFlop.com. We're also on Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, wherever else you get your podcast. We're almost at a thousand subs, so come join and we'll do a big celebration for that. And come join the Shonen Flop Discord. Open to everyone, patron or not. Come hang out with us and talk about anime games or whatever else is on. On your mind. We also have a monthly movie night. Find a link to it in the show notes or on our site. And if you've been enjoying the podcast and want to help us keep going, consider subscribing to our Patreon. We wouldn't be able to keep the show running without their support. You get a ton of awesome perks. Jordan, what did we release in April for our wonderful patrons? Oh my god. It's our next episode of our coverage on Magu-chan featuring Red from Overly Sarcastic Productions. What a great episode. Oh, she is just the best. What a great guest. Love having her. 
Oh, man. And you can even be sitting into our recording or listening to the warm up audio. Find it at patreon.com slash flop. And speaking of perks, I'm going to read off some Patreon names real quick. From the top, we have our chainsaw men, dude, man, bro, guy, T. Rue. And when Sean turns 30, he'll digivolve into my ginger daddy, Squee. Moving on down to my favorite tier, the ravioli tier, where for $10 a month, you can get weekly photos of my puppy, Ravioli. She's a very good girl. We have Chris, Eva, Israfan, Josh Robinson, Karate Chopsticks, Rachel, my wonderful fiance. I wasn't feeling well, and she got me pancakes. And that was really nice of her. And we do have to uh, point out every single episode that Rachel pays for photos of her own dog. Yes, she pays for her photos of her own dog. <laughs> Scarl Mirmadin and Trevor Schechner. Moving on down to the King of the Force, we have 090Z, Albie, Graham, Shala Florine, Gabe Lando, Jacob Andrew Galloway, Kevin Briggs, Kareemon, Marty, Max Baker, T, the Dungeon Master Next Door, The Real Jory, The Wolf, The Wood, and The Trafalgar, WB King, BB The, and Tommy Boy. Thank you all so much, along with all of our fantastic Galactic Ball Federation officers and Beast Children. Yes, thank you so much. I love all of you. You're all my children. We're almost done, but Jordan, is there anything you want to add? Yeah, I've been making oil paintings, still doing them. Check them out. My Instagram, uh, Jordan Forbes Art. Yeah, check them out. Give me a job. Someone hire Jordan, please. He's great. I can code, commission me. I don't know. I'm just broke. No. I don't know what else to say. Thank you so much, everybody. Oh, oh, uh, check out, check out Mission Ignition. All right. And then all that's left is sign off. Thank you so much for joining us. Tune in next Monday as we give our first thoughts on Tokyo Demon Bride's story. This has been David. This has been Jordan. This has been Snake. And you've been listening to Shonen Flop. Keep on flopping, flopper. Bye. Yeah.